Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Pour yourself a cold one. Bucks in the basement. 30 minutes of Pirates talk. Four fans, by fans. Brought to you by Yins. Three dynasties, one brand, Yins. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yins for new merch drops and giveaways. High quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold. Made for Yins by a Yinzer. ShopYins.com. The link is in the show notes and on the website. Craig, joining us from Parts Unknown. I know where you're at, but I like saying you're from Parts Unknown. It sounds cooler. We got lots to talk about today. What do you want to dive into? I don't know. I'm actually pretty excited that we're recording. We uh, we changed our recording time to Tuesday, and we got a day game on here right now, and Cabrian Hayes just had a home run. I, I don't like to do the play-by-play, but I- I'm just excited about it because <laughs> I don't know. It just makes me excited, man. But we do have a lot to talk about. Are you pumped about uh, Zach Collins and the, that pickup? <sighs> and the, and that listen, I, I wanna I wanna give just my take on Zach Collins to all Pirates fans out there. The broadcast basement on demand radio network, in which Bucks in the Basement is a part of, also has another baseball podcast that covers the Chicago White Sox called Socks in the Basement, and I am involved with that show as well. And I know a little bit about Zach Collins, a guy who was drafted by the Chicago White Sox. And I will tell you this. He is a terrible defensive catcher, probably a wonderful guy. In fact, I never heard anything bad about him personally, but he is a terrible defensive catcher. He can't frame. He can't pop. His pop time's terrible. He gives up so many pass balls, it becomes laughable. Okay. Every time he's behind the plate, he's a detriment to the team. And it's not like he makes up for it with his bat because he can't hit either. In fact, he's a platoon player in which he can only bat against right-handed pitching. And when he does, he he hits 204 for his career with a 700 OPS. Now, I know the plan seems to be put him at first base. And maybe, maybe you get something if you give him consistent at-bats. But remember, this is a guy who was traded for Reese McGuire before the season started. The Sox traded him (laughs) to Toronto. They, they were trading away a former first-round draft pick, and the best they could get was a guy who was so shamed that the Blue Jays couldn't wait to get rid of the guy who was found in a parking lot with his pants down having a good time and got arrested. And that's the best they could get. And Reese McGuire was let go by the White Sox as well. Okay? So these are two guys that were traded at the beginning of the year. Neither one of them had panned out. Neither one of them panned out a new place. And now the Pirates have him in his third location. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't get very excited about Zach Collins. Now, I hope he goes out and he just becomes like Zach Collins, best platoon first baseman you, you could have ever gotten off the scrap heap. <laughs> but I doubt it. I feel like this just once again, a body was available on waivers. So the body was picked up by Ben Charrington and we're going to see if the body has any life in it. And it probably doesn't. Yeah. 
And like we, like you said, Chris, the biggest thing there was beforehand. A lot of people, especially when you know Zach Collins was sent, you you sent me a message. Uh, my brother-in-law, who's a White Sox fan, sent me a message, and it was like I think his thing was, okay, you got Zach Collins two years later than you wanted him, <laughs> and and it was like, and he also said, but you kind of know what you're getting at this point, and, and what you're getting is possibly your you know eighth catcher between major league and and triple a but most likely is that first base platoon option uh we saw that in like one of the quote-unquote corresponding moves you know Bly Madris, who they've been trying over at first base left-hander hit like i think like a hundred his last time up here to give michael chavis a little bit of a break because we just did in our you know one of our last shows here we did the breakdown of how bad michael chavis is when the you know the starter is a righty. Michael Chavis just kind of been falling off um, as the season has progressed. One to give him like that regular playing time to see what would happen. But dude, I mean, like 233 batting average, 682 OPS in August, then now 143, two and a 469 uh here in September. And I know a lot of small sample sizes in there, but I think we're realizing he's not. So yeah, Zach Collins is probably just that, you know. Hey, go play first base for a little bit, and uh, and maybe give Ch- get Chavis to to get his stuff back up. But it's basically proven they're both platoon players, and how I don't know how valuable it is. I still think Chavis, and we talked about this last week, Chris is is valuable because he can play multiple positions. He can play first, can play second, can play outfield in a pinch, could come off the bench against a you know left hander and pinch hit, and and do those things well. And I still think he has a place within our team. Zach Collins, it just kind of seems like, okay, here's the last three weeks of the season, and, you know, let's just not look too bad at th- at first base. You remember when you said you were done with getting Josh Van Meters? This is a Josh Van Meter. That's oh, God. Is. I mean, it, it, it is. It's a guy who, who was never expected to be a very good defensive catcher that they kept trying to fix, right? And he's from the University of Miami. And when Yasmani Grandal joined him, the whole idea was, well, Yasmani went to the same school as him. And so he'll teach him how to frame. That didn't happen. Okay. He's a guy that they were trying to figure out how to make a catcher. And he, and he, and the one thing was, well, he can hit. Well, it turns out he couldn't hit either. So this is Josh Van Meter. This is just another Josh Van Meter now playing out of position at first base in a platoon role. I mean, here's the thing. And let's get into it. Ben Charrington made some comments about the urgency that he's feeling, right? I, I mean, I want you to, to run this all down for everybody, but it, it's very telling to me that we're still picking up Josh Van Meters and Zach Collins's and, and things like that on this team. And that's what has to stop to, for fans to start believing there's a next step to the rebuild. Yeah, and he uses the word better a lot, like in this quote. And, and, and I'll read it as best as I can, but, you know, he says, I don't feel any more urgency than I have every day that I've been here. Our entire jobs, our entire lives really are focused on making the Pirates better. And everything we do is only about that. We know that we're not going to get everything right over time as we try to do that. We have to keep learning and getting better and better and better at everything we do. And as we do, the results will get better on the field. It's like the build back bet. It's 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 the what was it? Get better at baseball camp. Like everything is get better. No crap you want to get better. Well, here's the thing. I, I think that some people don't like the beginning of that quote 
because he's saying that there's no more urgency than when he started. I think what he's trying to say is, I've been trying to build a winner since the beginning. This is the process. I wish you would have said it that way. You know? Yeah. Like, because if he says, well, we have more urgency, that's like saying, well, we've had an awful lot of failures and now there is a little bit of urgency because we're way behind. And he doesn't want to say that. Right. So that's how I yeah. read it. It'd have been better if he would have said, this is a process. I have the same faith in this process. I felt like I could build a champion. I still feel like I can build a champion. I care about this team each and every day. There wasn't a point in time where where I didn't feel urgency, but you just can't flip a team in, in a week. You just can't flip a team in a year. And I get all of that, but I do think that Pirates fans have a right to start getting angry for the first time because I have sat there on the show now for a couple of years and said, hey, you're in a rebuild. You're not going to win anything. You're looking at development. You're looking at like, you know, our who who's a piece and who isn't a piece. Why not take a swing at all the Josh Van Meters and Zach Collinses and Yoshis and whatever, whatever else you want to take a swing at to see if you find something. Why not? Because you're waiting for the draft picks to get up here. You're waiting for guys that you acquired in trades that were prospects to get up here. And so I understand all of that. But this offseason is probably the first time that I feel like, all right, you're not going to win a World Series in 2023. But you could add a few pieces, okay? Because you don't always add people to one-year deals. And you could start signing a couple of three or four or five-year deals with players that are going to be veteran, good hitters that you're going to surround with these young prospects. If you, if you go out and spend the offseason grabbing scrap heap help again, and you go and do this again in 2023, Pirates fans have a right to start questioning what the hell you're doing. Yeah, and to actually get better. That's, I mean, oh, Chris, like I said, I, the number of times he said better in the thing, it just absolutely drove me nuts. But the big thing is, is what you're saying is like, he said there is, you know, I feel, I feel the same sense of urgency. Well, I mean, Pirates fans are are feeling the urgency to not, you know, be in the running for losing 100 games every year and, and actually have a competitive team. And, and there's, I do feel like that there are some, I wouldn't say false narratives, but I think they're over-exaggerated narratives that is making it seem like the situation is worse than it is. Now, don't get me wrong. It, it, the situation, if they would have gone out and gotten in somebody like a Jose Quintana that they could have kept, you know, beyond this year and had him signed for like three years and, and was still producing, the team could be a little bit better. If they would have decided to keep Daniel Vogel back in there, you know, the team might have been a little bit better. But people are saying, you know, we talked about this before. The farm system is is falling off the map. So, you know, something's not going great. And Andy Rodriguez is the only prospect that's done anything great this year. Well, that's like kind of like that's kind of a false narrative. You have Luis Ortiz, who has outperformed this year. Start He finished the year in Bradenton uh, last year. And has made his way the whole way up to, you know, the majors. He's called up as a 29th man this year, was playing very well in Altoona. Well, that might be a surprise. And he wasn't one of like, you know, the, the top prospects. He's, you know, 30th on pipeline. I think he came up to 15th on fan graphs, like kind of came up into the system uh, or in the rankings uh, halfway through the year because of how well he was performing. But but he's playing well. Quinn Priester, since he's back, been back from his injury, yes, what I've liked him seen him you know pitch all season. But since he's been back from his injury, he's been hitting well. Uh, you have you know Blake Sable, who is one of our other quote unquote catchers in AAA, who got bumped up when Andy came up to Altoona. 
because he's a catcher, he's a left fielder, he's a DH, he's a first baseman, and he's actually continued to hit the ball well when he's moved up to AAA. So you can't say that, like, yeah, do I wish there was more? And and I think that, you know, maybe people thought with the amount of depth that we had at each of these positions, we would have seen more. But if you had told me at the beginning of the year that we would have had, you know, Jack Swinski hit 15 home runs in the majors. Yeah. His, you know, batting average is a little bit lower and he's striking out a little bit, but his OPS is getting back up there again. You know, Diego Castillo comes back up and what did he, what was he doing before he went down? Well, he wasn't hitting the ball, you know, that often, but everything was a home run. Well, he hit another home run. So you have all these guys that it, it, I can't say that like certain things weren't decided and that things are obviously worse. It's just almost like the pirates lose and and it's like a pile-on session. But even when the Pirates win, it, there's people pointing out like bad stuff that the Pirates organization is doing. And it's just like, I, I understand that everything is not going great, but it can't all be negative either. Maybe Ben Charrington is speaking in code. Like, maybe that's what it is. Maybe the word better translates to more money if you have the right code breaker device. We need more money. We need more money. <laughs> we need more money. At some point, they're going to have to go spend. They, they've had this super low payroll, and that's why I say that they can go out and they can they can add a couple of pieces and still continue this development. You need a few vets in the room. You need a few good vets in the room. You need a few vets that are going to actually make it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year to continuously tell these guys, like, hey, season's not over yet, no matter what the standings say. You know? Let's win these games. Let's develop. Let's keep going. You can see a difference in the team after you moved a few of those veterans off the team, you have too many guys still trying to figure out, am I a major leaguer? You need a few major leaguers. That, that's what this team has to have. That's the next step, Craig. Pirates fans, fans of any team in Pittsburgh, you want to go watch a game, Patrick's Pub and Grill is the spot to be. They've got weekly draft specials on every night. And also, Good Times Karaoke every Wednesday from 9 until midnight. Open mic every other Tuesday, 6 p.m. in the patio. And Sunday is wing day with specials. You uh, you ever get on the open mic there, Craig? Tell some jokes? No, I'm not actually a, a very funny person. And, and if I did, I'd probably tell, like, the worst dad jokes in the world. Like, like the funniest joke that I've heard recently, Chris, uh, is what do the, the movie The Titanic and The Sixth Sense have in common? What do they have in common? I see dead people. Oh, that's terrible. That's good for open mic night, though. Well, I, I think you should go for it. I think I think I think maybe I will. Yeah, you might get a smattering of applause. Okay, get over to Patrick's Pub and Grill, and uh, maybe you see uh, Craig grab the microphone and tell bad dad jokes. That'd be solid. If that was your act, like that's all I do is tell bad dad jokes. People would laugh just at how stupid they were. You know, go with that. See, I think yeah. I found I think I found something for you to do each and every week over at Patrick's Pub and Grill. Either, either that, Chris, or I'll just pick up the wings on Sunday like I do for the Steeler game. That works as well. Okay, so we're talking about positivity. And that, that's what you were really getting at, is that you, you could be upset about some things, but you got to look at the positives. So what are your big positives for this year? Like, what does Ben Charrington have to build around? Okay, like, what what do you think is ready right now? to be a major leaguer on this team that you can rely upon in 2023. Give me, give me the player, give me the position, give me what you see in improvement wise. Some of you think is about to make the jump, but who stands out to you right now? Because that's what they have to do. They have to start identifying that now and shedding 
the the guys that are just bodies that you're grabbing off of the waiver wire, hoping that lightning will strike them and make them real baseball players. Well, the one thing we were talking about before the show, Chris, and we definitely have to mention is is the steps that O'Neill Cruz has taken. Um, I, there is still room for improvement, but you know, moving him to and it's more about it doesn't even matter that it's the leadoff position. It's more about the people that you're putting behind him. Um, you have Brian Reynolds, you know, professional hitter behind him. You have uh, who just hit a home run, Brian Reynolds. Uh, you have uh, Brian Hayes, who, you know, make it a little bit better contact. You have Rodolfo Castro, who's been hitting well. Ben Gamble, professional hitter. You have like a string of guys behind O'Neill Cruz. So it's not sitting him where you probably eventually want him because of his power at like the four or the five spot, maybe even the three spot. But when you run out of guys to put behind him, he's probably not seeing as as many good pitches. So by moving him to, you know, the top of the order, I don't care if it's the leadoff, but he has been hitting better. To me, it's more about the people that you're actually being able to put professional hitters behind him. Let's let's just remember that there were a bunch of fools out there that we made fun of publicly on this show who wanted to send O'Neill Cruz back down, right? They're like, well, this guy's overmatched. And remember what I said? You got to give him at bats. You got to find a way to get him going, right? Okay, here he is. Last 28 days, O'Neill Cruz, 284 with a 914 OPS. That's a month's worth of work right there. Imagine if you would have wasted time and sent him back down to AAA because you thought he was overmatched. His last seven days, hitting 423, 808 slugging with a 1252 OPS. The man is on fire, all right? And that's because of what you're saying. You not only protected him, but I also like the fact that he's in the leadoff spot because in the leadoff spot, he's going to get as many at-bats as possible. He is a star on your team. He is somebody that you want to be a linchpin in the middle of your team when you're trying to figure out your core and you're building around it. That's what you want, and you want quick development. And where can you get him the most at-bats possible in the leadoff spot? He's got a better chance of getting more at-bats, seeing more pitches, and like you said, he's protected sitting up there. And so I think it's a great move what they did, and anybody that sat around and said O'Neill Cruz should have been sent down, okay, unfortunately for you, the internet exists, and you can't delete that. And the other part is, I mean, you're talking about a positive thing, is is Rodolfo Castro, you know, was sent down to the minors for kind of like dogging it on a play, came back up had the cell phone incident could have, you know, maybe fallen back into some of his old ways and stuff, but he's a, a switch hitting uh, second, or he actually plays third base the best, but, you know, play a competent second base right now, turn to some double plays with O'Neill Cruz. And, you know, that's a, a fairly positive thing there that, you know, a guy that was up last year, kind of took off five his first five hits in the major leagues were all home runs but then he kind of fell off comes back up this year gets sent back down comes back up and is maybe finally figuring it out so to me that's like a a fairly positive thing I mentioned you know Jack Swinski with you know the power that that he's shown that's that's been real because you know when we got him he had been developing some power but I saw him more as like kind of like a slap hitter but he can do that as well so you know there's a, a positive you know, step right there. You know, Brian Reynolds, everybody will look and say, you know, the batting average is down. And well, the batting average is down, you know, across the league. And do I think that I would be looking for Brian Reynolds to hit 
as well as he's been hitting since probably around like June, you know, all season next year, which would probably put him, you know, maybe around like a 275, 285 hitter as opposed to like, you know, the 300 and some hitter he was. But still, you know, he's still keeping that power. And also, if we're talking about O'Neill Cruz being protected, like how many times is Brian Reynolds protected, you know, in the lineup? You you hit it right in the head there with Brian Reynolds. Not enough protection around him. Imagine when you build a team around him, he's going to be better. He's definitely a core piece. But also, you you hit on it as well that hitting is down in Major League Baseball right now. And even OPS is low. Like the average for OPS I saw the other day was basically 700. Normally, it sits at like 726 around the majors or 730. When you when you look at a given year, and I think last time I looked at it, it was like 704. Now, that might have changed. It changes constantly from day to day, you know, with all the guys that come up and they hit and everything. But that's it's been really low all year. When I look at his OPS plus and I see him with a 118 leading the team with the highest OPS, I, I, I don't worry as much about him when I see all of Major League Baseball down. What I'm curious is, is there a player on this team that you think benefits from the shift going away? Is there a hitter on this team that next year is going to see improvement immediately because nobody's going to be sitting in shallow right or shallow left? Nobody's going to be shifted all the way over to that side, and you are going to see them pick up because I think offense is going to change drastically in Major League Baseball with these new rules. You're going to see more stolen bases. You're going to and you're going to see more hits that that drop in because you can't you can't drop the second baseman out into right field and move a shortstop over to second base anymore. And so I think that's going to be a big impact as well. And Ben Charrington and the Pirates have to look at their team and say, okay, is there a guy on this team that the shift kills? And if we didn't have the shift, would be a very good player on this team that we still believe in. I think that there's there's some guys. I would say that Cruz is a guy that it should definitely benefit because the number of times that I've seen like him hit like those, and I I know people get it, exit velocity is such a <laughs> such a touchy subject here in Pittsburgh. And I don't understand why because Ono Cruz every single time he makes contact with the ball, it's gonna be a high exit velocity that no matter what he hits the ball hard. That's a good thing. What's wrong with hitting the ball hard? I don't know. Some people, it's just like that's all. It's like, well, how many times he strike out? And it's like. Well, Chris, if they, if anybody's listened to our show for the past, you know, three and a half years now, one of the things we talked about when Ono Cruz was coming up was having a little bit of a hole in his swing and and having a little bit higher of a strikeout thing. He he might be one of those guys that just strikes out a little bit more, might not walk as much, but the amount of times that he's going to get, you know, home runs, hard hit balls, man, it's going to even itself out. And, and it's going to, like, all the numbers are going to eventually, you know, come up a little bit more. But I would think he would be a guy because there's a couple of times where it's just like, he hits the ball like 113 miles an hour and it's to a place where there should realistically be nobody there, like that shallow right field. And there's like a second baseman, a right fielder, sometimes a third baseman or a shortstop all within like six feet of each other. I just saw in the screen uh, for Rodolfo Castro, there was the only person that was out there was the left fielder and everybody else was at least at like the second base line. So, I mean, I feel like there are some guys that it is going to benefit immediately. Brian Reynolds is one that he's actually somebody who doesn't get shifted that much. So if everybody's thinking what's going to help everybody, well, Brian Reynolds usually hits the ball to like every part of the field to begin with. 
So I, I don't really see it helping him as much, but I would say like the guys that are more the pool hitters, even like Jack Swinski has become a little bit more of a pool hitter in my eyes. Um, it can help him more, but most of the time when he pulls it, he's putting it out. So, so maybe not, but I, I don't think the numbers are going to drastically change for the pirates as much as you would think. But I think for some guys, like I said, like a Cruz and a Castro, definite pool hitters, I think it'll have like a good effect on their numbers. Well, speed is going to be a big factor as well in base running going forward. The bases are bigger, which cuts down that little difference. I mean, think about it. a bigger base essentially means that it's slightly shorter between first and second and second and third. So if somebody stealing a base, taking a direct route is getting that little extra. You see all those bang, bang plays. They're going to the runner a little bit more now than they're going to the, the, you know, the throw down and the tag and add into that the fact that you can only throw over to first base so many times base runners are, if you teach a team to work a count and allow your base runner to get big leadoffs and he's basically just standing out there trying to draw those throws. Now, all of a sudden he knows the pitcher's got to go home and, 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 and you're going to see an increase in stolen bases. And again, you're going to see the increase in hits for guys who the shift hurt. It's really going to change the outlooks of some players and the outlooks of some teams. And it's going to be very interesting. I, I really feel like the, the, the thing with the bases and the throwovers is not as much for time, except for the fact that look at how many guys now are thrown out because of that instant replay where the hand bounces off the bag, right? Yeah. Like you've actually seen, I think, a dip in in the runner actually being called safe because of the amount of time you see the, the hand come off the bag, the leg comes off for like a half a second where those guys were always safe and now they're not always safe. I think that the shift thing, I don't understand the shift thing, right? The throwover thing is really weird to me because now it, it, I, I don't, it, it's really giving an advantage to the runners, but it might actually just return some of these stats to the norm. I'm really curious as to how it's going to go, but speed is big. And now if you've got a guy who pulls all the time, it doesn't hurt you as much. Yeah. And, and I, I was just going to say, Chris, that we're uh, next week, we're having Spencer Smith from the brains and Marauders on as a guest. Um, and he has seen, you know, all of these rules put in place over the past few years uh, down there in Bradenton. I went to a game down there and, and really wanted to, you know, dig into it with him. John Moses from the from uh, the Altoona Curve, their broadcaster, um, had put some tweets out as well. Him and Spencer are are good friends, so I wanted to, you know, question him on on some of that as well. Just because, I mean, we couldn't say what what it could do and what it should do, but. Uh, for the people that have actually seen it happen, uh, I, I think that, you know, there is going to be like a definite change. Um, I will say just briefly that in the time that I saw it, the game was quicker. I didn't actually notice a lot of this stuff. So I, I feel like it, some of it just becomes and will become, you know, more of a part of baseball moving forward. It's definitely, I, I feel like for some guys, it's it's going to have – that impact, especially, you know, for those pool hitters. And we're going to have to see how it affects, you know, the, even the Pirates pitchers, like the guys that like to work slow, the guys that work fast, um, how they're going to do that different type of stuff as well. So, I mean, it's the rule changes. It, it's it's kind of crazy that it comes out now and they're discussing it now. But I mean, that was part of the CBA. So it's you knew that was coming when, when the CBA was happening. I've reminded so many of my friends about this when the CBA was going down and we were sitting there hoping there was going to be baseball. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, we're not going to start on time. Well, we're going to lose part of the season. And fans were just like, 
upset. We were all mad about it, right? Somewhere in those late negotiations came up this rules committee, and the players agreed to six owners on an 11-person rules committee board. And I remember laughing about it on the show. I sent out a tweet about it. I was like, those six owners are always going to vote the same. So it's just, it's, it's, it's a farce to say there's an actual committee. It's not a committee. Major League Baseball decides the rules. The, all the players and the one umpire that's on there could say the opposite. The six owners just have to stay together. They stayed together during the lockout. They're going to stay together on this. The, the whole idea that the rules committee was not going to just be a way to push through whatever Major League Baseball wanted when they came up with this was, was crazy. Anybody could have seen that. The players acting like they're surprised, they look really dumb even acting surprised at this point. That was so obvious how that was going to go down. So I kind of expected this to happen, and then you kind of forgot about it because you're watching the baseball season, and then it comes back. But this is a, this is a thing where the Pirates, if they're smart, can get an advantage. Every team yeah. in baseball can get an advantage. If you have a smart general manager, if you have a good system, if you have good coaching, if you can look at what kind of player benefits from these rule changes and what kind of player loses value, and you can identify that and make corresponding moves through trades or signings or promotions or how you use a guy, and you can make those moves to accentuate the positives and get rid of the negatives, now is the time to do it before everybody in baseball sees it. The smart general managers will find a way to use this to their benefit. But like you said, Chris, at the beginning of the show is get better. It's you got to get better players. I mean, that's what it comes down to. That's like the get number better. one thing they have to do. Get better. Get better. Get more money. <laughs> <laughs> now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day.